You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The second-to-last edition, at least this season, of BetQLU presented by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. And BetMGM, of course, gives you a $600 risk-free offer. Open a BetMGM account using bonus code ELI600. That's ELI, E-L-I 600. And your first bet is totally risk-free up to $600. BetMGM offers the ultimate sports betting experience with innovative parlay selection features, special odds boost daily promotions, and much more. Term game day into payday at BetMGM. Download the app and sign up today with promo code again, Eli 600 to get that $600 risk-free bet. And my man, Thomas Casale at the Tom Casale might need a risk-free bet if he's going to bet either of these games because, man, it is a, a tough, tough, tough time finding value with Houston Baylor, and we'll get into that game in a little bit, and UCLA and, and Gonzaga just in terms of the line and in terms of the matchups. We, we touched on this before we got going. If Michigan had gotten to the Final Four, it would have been better for the Bucs. It would have been better for us because maybe that line would have been inflated enough against Gonzaga where we wanted to bet it. But right now, it's it's tough to find enough value to bet either game. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, we talked to some odds makers this week, and they've echoed the same sentiment that, uh, you know, Michigan losing has really is really hurt the overall, the, the betting for, the, for these games. Uh, they're a little disappointed in the Gonzaga-UCLA game because basically everyone's thinking the same thing. It's either Gonzaga or nothing, right? You're either going to lay the wood or there's just – you look at that game and it's got – it's just got route written all over it. So I don't even think a lot of sharp betters are taking the points with UCLA just because of the way Gonzaga's been hammering everyone. No doubt. The only way we'll, – well, actually, we'll save that. That's the second game of the two, so we'll save – little tease there. We'll save our breakdown for UCLA Gonzaga in a little bit. But kicking off and tipping off with the Baylor Bears against the Houston Cougars and pulling these odds up on BetMGM right now, the king of sportsbooks. Baylor is up to five and a half. So Baylor minus five and a half against the spread. Total of 135 and Houston is plus 190 on the money line. I posted a uh, breakdown of this game that I know Tom will have up over on BetQL and his breakdown for the final four. I went back and forth on Houston Baylor because Houston's run to the final four. It's definitely a credit to that. The the path to get there, you beat Cleveland state, you beat um, Rutgers, the toughest matchup they had in that region. You beat Syracuse, which was a great matchup for Houston. And then you beat Oregon state, which gave it a game, gave Houston a game in the second half. When Tinkle went to that one, three, one zone and Baylor's offense is starting to click like it was pre-COVID. Baylor's defense has dropped from number 44 overall on adjusted defensive efficiency on Kempom down to num- number 28. So it's there's been a significant increase in terms of how efficient Baylor has been at that end of the floor. But my thing is, when I kind of dig into this game, Baylor's ball pressure is going to cause is going to give Houston opportunities to crash the glass. Not like not only is Houston such a good offensive rebounding team on its own because of its ability to find gaps and its commitment to getting to the offensive glass, 
But the way Baylor pressures the ball and the way Baylor's defense sets up with that no middle defense, it's going to give Houston lanes to get offensive rebounds. Yeah, no, and we mentioned on our uh, you know instant reaction Final Four show about the you know Baylor isn't the best rebounding team, but they are better than Oregon State and Syracuse. So I think that's going to present a little bit more of an issue for Houston. I look at this game and I just think it's dead on. Uh, you know, I I think four, about four or five points is right. The way I see, I think it's going to be very competitive throughout. I just worry about Baylor pulling away late like they have so many times this year getting stops. It's going to be, can Houston's offense play better than it has, right? They're going to have to play better than they have against Oregon State and Syracuse to beat Baylor. So if they're hitting their outside shots, I think they have a chance for an upset. But if they go into one of those four or five minute scoring routes that we've seen the last couple of games, I think they'll be in trouble. No, it's a good point. Marcus Sasser, Quentin Grimes, and Grimes is going to have to deal with Davion Mitchell. One of those guys, Dejan Giroux, whoever it may be in terms of Mac outside shooting for Houston. One of those guys is going to have to hit a big shot down the stretch. But I think we're both in agreement that this game is going to be close. Even if Houston has, they're, they're due. Like, they're just due for a scoring drought every game. It's not like they haven't had one over the last four games, and it's, it's bound to happen this game. Their offense is inefficient enough. It kind of reminds me of, and I, 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 I kind of hate this comparison because Texas Tech was more efficient the year they went to the title game and nearly beat Virginia. But in the middle of conference play, and even during the tournament at times, Texas Tech went on a scoring drought. You had Moretti. You had, who was that number 13? They had a really good shooter. I'll pull it up in a second. They had Jurek Culver. They had good scores at the wing position and at the guard position. But they had, they had issues sometimes scoring in the half court when they weren't getting offensive rebounds with Tariq Owens and they weren't able to get to the basket and set up three-pointers, which is what Houston wants to do. And Baylor's three-point defense is going to mitigate that. But to me, these guards, the other key to this game, Houston doesn't turn the ball over. So Baylor's forced, I looked this up, 69 turnovers in its last four games, 69 turnovers. But Houston's guards are much better than what they faced during that stretch, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, that that is one thing that Baylor excels on is is those easy buckets. The, you know, one thing I think is going to be interesting in this game is Houston, if they have chances in the second half, they, they have to take advantage of them. Arkansas had a couple of chances in that game where if a three had gone or, you know, they missed an alley, a chance for an alley-oop. Like when you get those opportunities in the second half in a close game against Baylor, you have to take advantage because if you don't, sooner or later, they're going to make you pay. I think everyone agrees that Baylor has been the consensus number two best team in the country all season. So when you get those opportunities like Arkansas had, you have to take advantage of them if you're going to pull an upset. I think the best comparison to Houston being able to hang around in this game is Villanova. Going back to the, the Sweet 16 when Villanova was up, I think up by four with about 12 minutes left. Brandon Slater goes down with 10 minutes to go with the injury. And he was Villanova's best on-ball defender. And then Villanova started turning the ball over a lot without Gillespie. Houston doesn't. Like, that's, the that's the again, the difference maker to me in the Cougars being able to keep this thing within two possessions. Even if they go through a little bit of a scoring lag, even if Baylor hits a couple shots. And the other thing for Baylor is, is Jared Butler going to show up? Because it, it's not an effort thing. His shot just hasn't dropped the last three games. Maybe it does in this game in a, in a new arena. But if, again, if Houston down the stretch is hanging around, they're not going to turn the ball over. Th their offense can get stagnant, but they have really good guards that can handle the ball and get to the rim and at least attack inside the arc. 
and maybe get to the free throw line. Again, with Sasser, Grimes, Durow, Mack off the bench. I, just, I like this guard depth enough for Houston where I think two possessions is high enough, even with their inconsistent offense for, for two, three-minute stretches at times. Yeah, and the other thing, I, the reason I am not betting this game and why I think Houston can cover uh, is that this could be one of two games. It could be 58-55 or it could be 85-82. And I think both teams can play either way, right? So that's why I think Houston does have a chance to cover because no matter how the game goes, they're they're adaptive playing that style. You look at the other game, like if Gonzaga's got 80 points, UCLA is long gone, right? <laughs> UCLA can only yeah. win one specific way where Houston, I think, can play either style and still be in the game. No doubt. On the other side of the ball, too, Houston has one of the best three-point defenses in college basketball. They're giving up a, a bottom 15 opponent's three-point percentage, and Baylor has the number one three-point percentage in the country, a bottom 110 opponent's three-point scoring rate. If Houston's able to keep this in the half court and keep Baylor from leaking out of transition because of A, limiting their own turnovers, and B, getting offensive rebounds, creating second-chance opportunities, finishing around the rim, and getting to the free-throw line. And Baylor can be had from the free-throw line. They can get in foul trouble. We saw that a little bit in the Arkansas game, and we saw it late, late in the first half against Villanova. So if those two or three things come to fruition, Houston's covering this game. They're keeping this. They're able to hang around within two possessions. That's why when I wrote this up, I said I'm looking for the six. And maybe Baylor money comes in on Saturday morning, and this thing gets as high as six. Five and a half, I think, is still bettable, but six, I would love to get a full two possessions. Yeah, a couple of things. One, I do think this line could move because Gonzaga, the Gonzaga game's drawn so little money. I think most people are going to end up betting this game. So it'll be interesting to see where that money goes on Saturday morning. And, you know, if if you put a gun to my head, I would lean the over here. I don't have any great stats for you, but I have a feeling both teams are going to be hitting shots in this game. I think we're going to see a fun game here. Um, like you said, Houston's kind of due to have a good offensive game. So I would lean over here in a, a, in a fun competitive game that goes down to the final five minutes. So for Baylor... Davion Mitchell, over under 13 and a half points. Jared Butler leading the way, over under 15 and a half points. Same thing, same number for Macy Oteague. For Houston, Giroux and Sasser both at 12 and a half. Quentin Grimes at 16 and a half. I think the best bet to make if you're looking if you're looking for something for Houston, I think Gorham over under seven and a half rebounds is probably right, even though he could get double digits, could get a double double easily because of how good he is on the offensive glass. But Baylor matching him up with Vital or Tom Matachua, that's a lot of size. Houston is going to need their guards to step up and their wings to step up in terms of getting offensive rebounds and second chance opportunities. Giroux, in terms of rebounding rate, has a 16.7% rebounding rate, which is the highest among guards and is right there with one of Houston's bigs, actually, a little higher in terms of percentage points, Fabian White. I think that rebounding total for Giroux is a little underinflated. Yeah, I see your point with Giroux. You know, I kind of like Gorham a little bit over rebounds. He, he, he's in there. He does the dirty work. I, I think he's one of those guys who doesn't get a lot of love, but I think you're, you're right that he's going to be a key to this game down low. The The other play I really like is Sasser over 12 and a half points. I don't know why. I think he's going to have a big game. Those are the two. If I, I'm going to bet this game, I'm going to do it more on player props because I don't like the side or total. So I'm going to go the over Gorham rebounds and over Sasser points. I like that, especially the Sasser play. Because you think about Davion Mitchell locking up with Quentin Grimes, Houston's leading scorer. 
Giroux can score, but he's not a super efficient shooter or as efficient as Sasser. That's the guy that's going to have to hit a late, uh, late shot for Houston, right? If they're able to pull this upset off, if they're able to keep this thing within two possessions, likely Sasser's kind of the key just in terms of spacing the floor. He's got, I don't want to say unlimited range, but he could hit it beyond the arc at least a few feet. So Sasser is a key offensively. Fabian White too, because Baylor runs that no middle defense. So if you can get at least get to the ball to the free throw line and present some sort of depth in terms of stretching the floor, Fabian White can hit that mid-range jump shot. He came back from the ACL injury going back to the beginning of the season, hit some shots against Syracuse in the second half that allowed Houston to stretch that lead to double digits. I love that guy. I love that guy's game. I probably would have bought a future at the beginning of the season on Houston if he was healthy. That's the key. If Houston can space the floor a little bit inside and outside the arc, they're going to have a shot down the stretch. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, the listen, Houston is Houston is a great team. They're talented. They have talented guards. They rebound like crazy. I mean, I know Baylor is the well is the more well-known team. They're the ones we've been talking about all season, but it's just because I don't think a lot of your, you know, your casual fans have seen Houston play, but this is a legit team. And as you mentioned, I mean, they're here with an injury to their best player. So that just talks to the depth and how well and let's don't don't underestimate this fact, man. They are well coached. The they do things so soundly on that team. They're they're a tough team to blow out. They're, they're gonna be a tough team to beat by seven, eight, nine points. Hundred percent. Moving on to the other final four game, UCLA and Gonzaga in that Michigan game. And this is by the way, courtesy of Jim Root of Three Man Weave. They do great breakdowns on college basketball. Over an 8.30 stretch in the back half of the first half against Michigan, UCLA scored 23 points on 14 possessions, which is 1.64 points per possession. Over the final 11.50 of the first half against Bama, UCLA scored 33 points on 18 possessions, which is equivalent to 1.83 points per possession. Besides the free throws, 19 free throws missed combined between Bama and Michigan. If Alabama hit six more free throws in regulation against UCLA in the Sweet 16, they win that game. They're in the Elite Eight. Who knows what happens? Both teams combined, Bama and Michigan, for to shoot like 10 of 38, 10 of 39 from three. All those three metric stats, UCLA has gotten so lucky over the last three games. The only way they hang around in this Gonzaga game is if they play at a slow tempo, Gonzaga is just missing shots. And, and UCLA is ultra-efficient and gets some luck like that. That is the only shot UCLA covers. Because if Gonzaga's pushing the floor, who's matching up with Jalen Suggs? Who's matching up with Corey Kispert? Haquez is an okay defender, but not, not great. Not like Franz Wagner, who Juwan Howard didn't put on Juzang until the last eight minutes of that game. Juzang, who is, who is he guarding on the defensive end against Gonzaga? I just don't see how anybody on UCLA could stop these could stop the athleticism of the Zags. No, it's, you know, listen, UCLA, they beat a two seed, they beat a one seed, uh, you know, t- tip of the hat to them. But as you said, they've had a lot of things go their way. And my issue in this game is I don't see how Cody Riley doesn't get in early foul trouble. I mean, with all the bigs that Gonzaga has, and, you know, Mark Few, he knows a little bit about basketball. UCLA has one real, real big man after, you know, the, the Chris losing Chris Smith. So I think they're going to pound that ball inside early. They're going to get Riley in foul trouble. It's just, it's, 
UCLA is not a deep team. They've been on a great run, but I can't think of a worse matchup for them <laughs> than Gonzaga. You know, I really think if Michigan had played them 10 times, they probably win eight of them. You know, UCLA got them on a night where they, they just weren't on. So, you know, I, I just can't lay like 14, 15 points in the final four. But to me, this looks like a complete demolition. The only part of this game I see value in is the over. It's at, I think it's 145 and a half at, M, at BetMGM. If if Gonzaga played at any more of a quicker tempo uh, against US, USC, that game goes over. Gonzaga, especially because Gonzaga relies on getting to the rim. They're a good three-point shooting team, but they just, they don't rely on their three-point shot or at, at least in, at even a above-average clip. So if Gonzaga is able to get to the rim at will, I don't see anybody stopping Suggs. I don't see anybody stopping Timmy. Like you mentioned, Riley probably gets in foul trouble. UCLA is going to have to hit shots and they can hit shots. So if they're getting that kind of shooting luck again for, for spurts of this game with Juzang and Haquez and even Tiger Campbell, who was hit, who hit some big shots in the second half against Michigan, this game's going over. Yeah. And, you know, we just published, uh, you know, your article, your, uh, the final four article. And I had to call, I had to call in the relief pitcher. I had Reed Wallach pinch hit for me because I didn't really have any strong opinions. And I know he likes a team total in this game. Uh, he has a good write up on that. So make sure you check that out. But I think kind of that's where the value is, is in betting this game is I wouldn't hate a Gonzaga over first half. You know, I, I bet a lot of Gonzaga team total overs this year for, for good reason. But the thing about the Zags is with 10 minutes to go, you look like you're going to go over by 15, 20 points, but they're always up by so much. Like you said, they kind of bring it back a little bit. So you're you're biting your fingernails in the last two minutes. But first half, man, this team is an absolute well-oiled machine. So I think that might be a play there. I agree with you. The 145 looks a little low because – I also don't think UCLA has a great defense. I'm sorry. I know they've been playing great defense in the tournament, but they didn't have a great defense all year, and I think they're going to get exploited in this game. So I agree with you. If you're looking for value, I don't think it's on the the side. It's on the total. And if you're looking to bet and get a free risk-free bet, or that's right on it, but get a risk-free bet, $600 risk-free bet over at BetMGM, you can use the promo code ELI600, and your first bet up to $600 is totally risk-free over at BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Tom, looking at some player props for this game. For Gonzaga, Corey Kispert, over under 17.5. Drew Timmy, over under 19.5. Haquez, 12.5 for UCLA, just kind of going down the board here. Suggs, 14.5. Ayayi, 11.5. Juzang, 17.5. He hit the over by a mile, I bet the under, against Michigan. And Juwan Howard decided to not put his best on ball defender and best defender, period, off ball two in Wagner on Juzang. Juzang put up 25-plus. Bernard, 10.5. Campbell, 10.5. I'm wondering where Nemhard is, is on this list. I don't see him. If you can get an Andrew Nemhard player prop over and just gauging Ayayi and he's at 11.5, I think Nemhard is the most underrated guard in the tournament left and maybe the most underrated player left in the tournament. If somehow Suggs is off, Nemhard is great at creating. He's done that. He's played more of the, the point guard role in the tournament. I think he could have a big scoring game against this UCLA defense, especially if Gonzaga is able, able to leak out. And if you get an inefficient game from Suggs and or Ayayi, that's the player I would target for the Zags. Yeah, I think Suggs goes over 14 and a half. You know, uh, 
I, I, I thought this all year. I think there's a legit argument that he could be the first player taken in the draft. I don't think he will be, but I think he's that good. And, and on the big stage, the final four stage where everybody's watching, I expect him to have a big game uh, both Saturday and Monday night. So I, I don't I don't mind that total there, 14 and a half. All right, so that's going to do it for our final four breakdown. So my bet for both games, Houston plus five and a half or better. It's tough to see this one get into six, but I just want to wait to see into Tom's point, maybe because the handle for UCLA and Gonzaga isn't going to be as big. Maybe money does come in on Baylor, public money, and public money in a, in a major handle kind of a game can drive up the number. So we'd love to get a Cougars plus six. Tom, what is your best bet or best bets for, for both games? Yeah, I'm going to go the Sasser over 12 and a half points. You know, talking it through on the podcast, I, I think that and I was kind of looking at that a little bit, but th- that's going to be the play I make. Uh, Sasser over 12 and a half. No, I like it. If Houston's covering this game, Sasser is scoring at least 15 points because unless you get Mitchell on Sasser in the second half, but that's not the way the game is going to start. That's for sure, especially from a size standpoint. Mitchell against Grimes, a more physical guard. It just makes makes more sense for Drew to put Mitchell on, on Houston's best score to begin the game. Let's wrap it up with some coaching news because Chris Beard goes from Texas Tech to Texas in a matter of what, like a week's worth of rumors. Then Roy Williams retires, or whether that was reverse order or not. Roy Williams, the UNC legendary coach, also from Kansas, retires. Bill Self gets that long-term lifetime deal with Kansas, so we know he's not pulling a Roy Williams and going to UNC. I feel like the best bets to, I don't know if you can find this offshore, to get the UNC job would be Dana Ullman from Oregon, because the Texas job is, is wrapped up. Or Brad Stevens from Boston. I agree. I, I actually thought he was going to Texas, to be honest with you. I mean, you, you can't com- complain about who they got. But I, I thought that would be one of their targets. I think Dana Altman should be on everybody's top two or three list. The Think about what he's done, doing there at Oregon. Uh, recruiting well. Always a factor in the tournament. Imagine him at a Texas or UNC where recruits just fall into your lap. I think he'd be a scary coach there. Yeah. And right, the way he recruits, his assistant just went, or associate head coach just went to uh, DePaul. Hopefully that works out for DePaul, even though I literally hate DePaul. But maybe it'll work out for the Blue Demons. Maybe they'll finish in, in sixth place next yeah, season. Maybe. They're, they're, they're looking up. Eighth place, baby. Right. You can only go up from here. Yeah, Ullman makes sense for UNC. I'm, I think we're on the same page there. Like his style of what he could bring to that sort of a program with that 2-3 matchup zone and the ball pressure is something they haven't really... Had under Roy Williams. Let's face it, Roy Williams has been an offensive-minded coach. And UNC's had some solid defensive teams when they were elite, when they were winning titles with with uh, with Tyler Hansborough. Ty Lawson was on that team. And when they beat Illinois back in 2005. So he's had some, some solid and elite defensive teams. But over the last decade, when UNC hasn't been title good, like going back to three years ago with Kobe White, they were a great offensive team and not a great defensive team. So that's sort of a, a style and having it brought to Chapel Hill would make a lot of sense. Yeah, and think about this. Think about that kid from Abilene Christian who shot 58% from the foul line, swishing two foul shots, what he's done. He has caused all this coaching chaos. 
He got UCLA to the final four. Cause I'm telling you right now, Texas pounds UCLA. I don't care. I, I don't care. They, they, they pound UCLA. So that kid for Abilene Christian, the 58% free throw shooter, shooter who swished two shots and got Shaka smart fired, got UCLA to the final four. I mean, that's a, that's a 30 for 30 waiting to happen. I believe Joe Pleasant is his name. Yeah, it is. And he just put himself in the transfer portal. I wanted to, I want to double check that before we get out of here, but he has for him. Right. It's been a heck of a month. You get Texas's coach can shocker presumptively can now he's over to, to Marquette, Chris Beard of Texas. Like you mentioned now, who the hell knows what's going to happen. Abilene Christian's coach could go to tech, could go to right. Texas tech. That would make the most sense. That's a, and, and I know we're joking, but think about it. If Texas wins that game, Who's to say they don't go on a run? I mean, we we saw UCLA barely win a game against Michigan State, right? And then they won. So I think that's an interesting an interesting development how that all turned out because it, it, I think Texas was set up, and I know you agree, set up well in that region if they got by that first game. So th- that that would have been interesting. The worst game Matt Coleman has played ever in his career. I won't even go on about it because we spent. 15 minutes on a previous podcast <laughs> ranted about Texas, but that'll do it for the final four podcast, man. At the Tom Casale is where you can find Tom Casale on Twitter. Myself, Eli Herskovich, subscribe to the BQLU podcast, what we're on right now. Subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate all your support over the last few months. When we launch the podcast, it really does mean a lot, and it really does help boost the podcast. So be sure to subscribe, rate, and review to BQLU wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can also go to BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Use that uh, promo code ELI600 for the risk-free bet up to $600. Download the BetQL app today. Subscribe to BetQL, a great resource to get all the sharp edges and all the data and all the information you need. Five-star bets to help you beat the sportsbooks. Tom, any last words before we get out of here? No, I want to thank everybody for coming along with us all season. It's been a great year. The you know I'm looking forward. I, I think we're going to see even if Houston covers. I think we're going to see Baylor and Gonzaga on Monday night. Was supposed to happen in December. We get the heavyweight fight for the championship. I can't wait. We'll have a last edition, I guess, of the season. Maybe we'll do a a post mortem and futures edition for next year, right after the title game wraps up. But for now, Sunday is our last edition of the BQLU podcast during this college basketball season. So be on the lookout for that. That'll come out on Sunday afternoon with myself, Eli Herskovich, and Thomas Casali. Thanks again for listening to the BQLU podcast.